Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 88. was a good year. (laughs) No, it wasn't. God, actually, 1988 was rough. 16 years old in Fairbanks, Alaska. I just think I got dumped by my girlfriend in 1980. Maybe that was 1989. No, you know what? 1988 was all right. Ann and I were dating. She was pretty awesome. That was a pretty good year. (laughs) I should probably not like do that because what am I going to do? Reminisce about each year from episode 88 to episode 99. That could get a little tedious for you guys. I'm trying to not live in the past. I'm trying to think of the present and the future. My mom is here. And, uh, you know, a lot of talk about the past. I actually banned talking about my childhood at the the lunch and dinner table. (laughs) Partially because it's embarrassing. and I don't need my wife to hear all those stories about, like, pooping my diapers and stuff. But, you know, also, I just, I think we should be living in the present. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, that's sort of the the main big thing. It's day three hundred and seventy eight of my quarantine, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I knew this was gonna be a really long time, so I can't say I'm surprised. Um, and you know, it's weird because we all sort of started quarantine on a slightly different day, right? So <laughs> we're all marking the year, but we're all slightly off on our year marking. I see this a lot as a purveyor of a nostalgia app. Oh, that's what's going on. I'm sorry about the pops. I couldn't figure out why it sounded different. It's because I didn't have my pop screen down. There we go. As a purveyor of nostalgia software, I have noticed that we're all sort of marking the one-year anniversary of our pandemics on slightly different days. There are people that are like, oh, this is my last show, or oh, I got married on this day, and I'm like, oh my god, that day I was already hiding in my house for one week out of fear. It's very interesting, but... uh, you know, the collective we holistically, uh, close enough for hand grenades and uh, horseshoes. We've all been at this a year, so that's pretty crazy. Pretty proud of us all. I think we're holding up pretty good. You guys are holding up pretty well, right? I'm holding up pretty well. We're all holding up pretty well. So give yourself a pat on the back for a year of this. Spring is here, or <laughs> spring is not here. Spring is coming. It did get up to 72 last week here, which was gorgeous, and it was sunny, and it gave me a perfect weekend. We had a tornado warning last night, and it's definitely cloudy and colder today, but I think the rain is mostly done. I think I can get some stuff done outside this weekend. That'll be good. I have today off. This is Friday. I'm probably not actually going to post this till Saturday like usual, but right now it's Friday morning. It's a very weird time for me to be doing this. Uh, Jane stayed over at Grammy's last night, and uh, we have today off at work. It's one of our monthly mental health days that we've been doing during the pandemic, but I didn't realize that, so I scheduled one of my mom's appointments, a test we have to go take uh, in downtown Chapel Hill, (laughs) downtown Chapel Hill, the bustling metropolis of Chapel Hill. Today, right in the middle of the day, so it kind of like ruins, breaks up my uh, my day off. It's not my mom's fault. It was my fault. I forgot it was a day off. I should have scheduled the appointment first thing in the morning, but I didn't. Uh, so I'm trying to get as much done as I can in the morning before I go because Jane's not with me. So I've got a bunch of hours here in the morning. If I can get this podcast done today, then I can get out in the garden tomorrow, which I really want to do. I... Uh, Really want to get the compost bins built this weekend. I have seven pallets ready to go, and I made a trip last two weekends ago to Home Depot to buy the wood I needed to put them all together and build the doors and everything, and it's all just sitting there in the driveway and in the garage, and I need to build them. So this is the weekend. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Last weekend, I spent almost the entire weekend assembling these two gigantic containers, for plants uh, outside my office window on the ground in the mulch bed that used to have some bushes that my wife ate and got rid of the bushes. So it's just this mulch bed with nothing in it. So we're putting the containers there. It works out great. Uh, I have a good idea of what kind of plants the, the squirrels and the deer will not eat because I planted some stuff out here downstairs experimentally last year and they left it alone. Like right now there's a bunch of garlic going, growing out there. They don't like garlic. They don't like peppers. Don't really care for cucumbers, didn't care for the broccoli. I think they were eating the snow peas, and I think they ate the Brussels sprouts. But, you know, I know some things I can grow down here in these big beds. So, But they're huge, and I had to put all this soil in them. I mean, 
basically I used all the soil from last year just to fill the bottom half of these two beds and that wasn't even enough one of the beds I put like a bunch of wood in the bottom of it and everything and then you know the top half I've got a new yard of soil that my mom my, my wife got delivered when she was getting some landscaping done so the top will be good soil. the bottom just can be basically anything so but man it took so long I had to build these beds each one of them has a hundred rivets in it I had to do the rivets I had to like place them and line them up and I had to fill them with all the soil to you know across two weekends to get all this done in addition to like all my other gardening and everything but they're ready to go I feel really good about it uh so now the next is the compost bins and then after that I gotta build the trellis system up on the porch for the tomatoes and then I think most of my garden prep is good to go. I got the dirt. I got all my amendments. I got my fertilizers and my plants are growing. Uh, yeah, the compost bins will be built. The trellis system will be ready to go. I got enough pots and grow bags. So uh, we're getting there. My average last frost date is April 7th, which is in, uh, what's that, 11, uh, 18 days, just under three weeks. So not this weekend, two weekends from now, eh, I could maybe plant then I probably will. And then I'll just, depends on the weather. We'll see, but we are, we're getting close. So I got to get this stuff done, but it's happening. It's happening. And you know, if you're just listening to the podcast and you don't know about this, I have a lovely YouTube channel of my gardening stuff. now. <laughs> my one man media empire with very few listeners or viewers or consumers is continuing into a new medium, uh, gardening YouTube, which really, I guess, uh, you guys probably could have seen coming given how much I talk about gardening and YouTube. It was only a matter of time before I put the two together. And you know, Back before I was a business executive, most of my my younger years was spent working on computers and creative services, right? Doing graphic design, video editing, video production, stuff like that. And I really miss it. And I miss using Photoshop and I miss using, well, I guess, I, you know, I used to use Final Cut, but they changed it. So I'm using iMovie right now, which is okay, but it's, it's a poorly coded app. It's very laggy, even on my world-class fastest Mac ever made. So I'm going to try and start using Premiere, I think, and I opened it up and I'm trying to learn it, but it's definitely a lot more complicated than it was back the last time I opened up Premiere in like 1998. So I'm working on that, but you know, right now I'm just editing these videos in YouTube. They're very amateur, but they get the point across and it's pretty great. And one of my neighbors, uh, Ricardo, I was talking to him on the phone yesterday and I sent him the link to the YouTube videos and he immediately pointed out that my grow lights needed to be raised which I knew, but I had forgotten. I lowered them to, you know, get the seedlings going. And so great, you know, I mean, only like 10 people watch each of these videos, but I got some productive knowledge out of it. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so you know, I guess that makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the big thing around here has been taking care of my mom. She's visiting. She's, you know, as you know, I think it's been, I think we're on the third or fourth week that she's been here. Uh, a lot of, a lot of appointments, a lot of appointments, still not quite hundred percent sure what's wrong, but she's doing much better. And, you know, she's got PT coming in twice a week to the house that, uh, I don't really need to be there for anymore. I just text the, the woman and, you know, we, we handle all that through text and I just, it's in the house. It's great. She's got like a therapy appointment and she's got, we got to do two tests at two different clinics this week. And the next week we got to do the follow-ups with those two doctors. One of them does telemedicine, which is pretty convenient. The other one we have to go to, and there's this big new, you know, um, big new clinic that we've been going to. I've been writing about this in my Facebook posts, which are, you know, but, uh, yeah, it takes up a lot of time and, uh, but you know, it's getting done and she's, she's doing better and we will see. We'll see. I think in another week or two, we're going to have a fairly solid idea of what her condition is. And then we can figure out where she wants to go. She wants to go home or what? I think she can probably go home. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, and also the great thing about talking to my neighbor Ricardo yesterday is that he and his wife were the adoptees of one of our foster kitties. So you may recall that we had one batch, we everybody, all of them got adopted and sent away, and then we got a second batch, and we kept two of the four cats. One got adopted by somebody that I think my wife follows on Instagram now. But uh, the fourth one was adopted by our neighbors. And, you know, we knew it was pandemic times, but we figured at some point that Teeny is his name, could... could uh, be reunited with his siblings, which I don't think cats really care about, but we're going to all test it out sometimes. So, but it's nice. They have, you know, they post photos. We can see the photos and they'll send us photos and they take us a little update. So that was nice. Nice catching up with Teeny. We really like Teeny, but we couldn't keep three of the cats. So it's really, really nice that he's in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. The other two cats we did keep, uh, Keely and Roy, named for the characters in Ted Lasso, which we strongly recommend if you haven't seen it. 
they're doing great. Roy is uh, very, very friendly. My mom really likes him too, which is really nice. And you know, this is a really whole interesting thing. Like my mom, when she was a kid, had a black cat named Sam. And the whole time we were growing up, my mom didn't really want pets. If we really begged, we'd get a pet. Like she let me have a hamster and we had some fish and you know, my sister and I never really, I think, I don't, I don't know, actually I can't speak for Val, but I never really begged for a cat or a dog. My mom was pretty anti-pet when we were uh, kids and that really had a long impact on me for a long time. And then, you know, I grew to like pets later with Fanny and all that, but um, it, you know, she wasn't anti-pet. She had a bunch of them as a kid. She was just busy, right? She was raising two kids. She didn't think we were going to take care of them. And Lord knows she was right about that. She had a job. Her husband worked nights. Like, you know, it was just a busy American middle-class family. And I think she just didn't want the extra work, but she really liked them. And she had this black cat when she was a kid. And I can't remember, you know, there's a couple black cats. I have to actually ask her about this. I haven't asked her about this yet, but, but I have dim memories and I can't remember if they're childhood memories from the cat right before it passed away or like just from photos and stuff and them talking about it. Sorry about that. I got to turn on the do not disturb. I forgot to turn off all my beeps before I did this. Anyway, done. So anyway, that cat's name was Sam and he was a black cat. And I find myself now that my mom's in the house, I'm like having a very hard time not calling Roy Sam. Because it's the only black cat I've ever really known, and my mom's here, and so, you know, we're awash in childhood nostalgia against my <laughs> my preferences. But uh, so I keep wanting to call Roy Sam, and it's interesting because my mom is very, like, into Roy as well, and I think she's experiencing the same thing in a way where she's like, this black cat reminds me of my black cat of my childhood. So anyway, that's all very heartwarming. <laughs> I'm really enjoying that. Uh, that's nice. Also, it's very hard to get crossword puzzles. It's hard to keep my mother in crossword puzzles. <laughs> Where do you get those these days? I don't really know. It's it's tough. It's tough. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Jane's doing well. She is becoming much more conversational. Really, at this point, I don't really. Some very complex sort of you know abstract topics are hard for are hard for me to convey to her. Uh, have a very hard time with sort of like literary exceptions like homophones and things like that but basically I can just talk to her and you know I think it's hard for my mom or a lay person to understand her but we know what she's saying and we can have whole conversations with her I had this weird incident with eggs <laughs> had a bunch of rotten eggs in a carton it was really weird but uh <laughs> so we we're making breakfast and I kept breaking these eggs and they were rotten. It was freaking me out. And I got there, you know, I took care of it. I had another dozen eggs. They made the breakfast. I had the whole breakfast. Hour goes by because Jane's a really slow eater. And after the whole breakfast, I'm washing up and she just goes, sorry about the eggs. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's so weird. You, know, you remembered that and you said it out of the blue and it expressed empathy. And it was very, uh, I was like, oh, I almost cried. Uh, yeah, I almost cry a lot these days. I'm, I'm doing fine. I don't mean to imply otherwise, but my emotions are very much at the forefront. It's, I don't know. It's weird. It's like they're sort of at the forefront, but also being pressed down simultaneously. I don't know. I've been trying to sort it out. I am not, you know, depressed and I don't feel like I'm on the verge of a breakdown or anything like that. Maybe it's just uh, my, my current theory is that it's just healthy. <laughs> I'm feeling healthy that I have emotions and I experience them and I process them and I move on. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Jade is much the same way. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe she's rubbing off on me. You know, kids, they're just like screaming one minute when something's upsetting and then they just sort of like get over it and they move on. It's very admirable. I admire that about them. I also like it when you get in an argument with your kid because like they just reset when it's over and there's no lingering pouting or days on end and that's going to go away someday and that's going to really suck. So I'm trying to enjoy this period where we can like, she can be really mad at me and scream and try and scratch my face. And then two seconds later, she's like, I love you, daddy. And she's just over it. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to be over this too now. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't be the one to like, well, you know, hold a grudge against my kid because you yeah, whatever. So it's interesting and it's not going to last forever, but I am thankful for it now. Uh, let's see. Weight and health. Uh, it's pretty much a catastrophe. I am having a really hard time maintaining my fast at night. I'm stress eating. I'm not going to lie. Uh, things are settling down into a good routine. It was definitely very stressful when my mom got here. She was not in good shape. We, I had to find all our, you know, her providers and get her to all these appointments. She was far less mobile than she is now. And I was like really busy. I hadn't cleared my schedule of certain obligations that I, I'm not going to do while I'm doing this. And and, uh, you know, now it's a lot more easy. Like we have all the doctors, we have a schedule of like, she's got a calendar that I manage, you know, it's, 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 it's much easier. And, but I need to stop the stress eating I was doing while, I, while it started. The first week in the hotel was particularly bad. The stress eating on top of like all delivery on top of the fact that I was 
four miles closer to Chapel Hill. So like the delivery options were radically expanded for what we can get at our house. So there's all these restaurants that delivered there that I hadn't eaten at in a year. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to eat at all these restaurants. And I got really bad acne and my skin was really oily and I'm definitely recovering, but I need to stop eating uh, between dinner and breakfast. And it's really hard. And I don't, I'm not even claiming I'm going to recommit in the next week or two, but sometime, hopefully by mid to late April, I will get back on that wagon. It's rough. I still weigh less than the beginning of the year, so that's good. And spring is coming and I'm getting a lot more exercise, so that's good. But yeah, I got to stop eating a big mountain of corn chips each night. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on. That's not a pleasant topic for me work okay yeah let's do work um so the big thing is in the next week or two apple is finally launching their privacy framework att app transparency app tracking transparency Uh, i wrote a whole post about this and you are welcome to read it but long story short is apple is implementing a bunch of new privacy features that may or may not like severely impact my company's revenue even though we don't do anything wrong Uh, That is a bold statement, but you can go read my detailed post about it if you doubt me. But if you trust me, you know, we're not we're not their target. We're not the people that are doing anything wrong, but it's still going to have a it still may. We don't actually know. No one knows, which is one of the things that galls me about this thing is nobody, even Apple, really knows what's going to happen. But we may just lose a ton of revenue. And so that's really stressful for us, uh, but it is finally happening. They've been hold, holding this sort of Damocles over our head since like last fall because they postponed it six months, which was maybe the right thing to do because the whole thing is ill-conceived. But also we were ready, and if they're going to just like screw us over, I'd just rather get it over with, you know what I mean? So I can like learn what the new reality is at my company and, and fucking go. But <laughs> So people say it's happening in the next week or two now. But now there's this interesting wrinkle going on where basically all these Chinese companies have settled on a workaround that is patently against the rules. And they are doing it using technology made by a Chinese ad tech company that is backed by the Chinese government. So what the hell is going to happen, right? Apple is fucked and they should have seen this coming and it's really bad. And, you know, I mean, they're breaking the rules, right? So, like, what's Apple going to do? Is it just going to ban all these giant Chinese companies, which would be huge and bad in China? Everybody would, I mean, it would be a monstrous gift to YY and uh, other Chinese uh, phone manufacturers. But beyond that, like, these companies are huge everywhere, right? Like, Tencent is a gaming company. They own a good chunk of Epic Games. It makes Fortnite. They own all these other companies. Like, what are they going to do? Ban, like, some, you know, five of the most popular gaming companies in the world and in this doing so get Apple kicked out of China? That doesn't seem like it's going to be a good move for China, for Apple. Or are they just going to make an exception that says, hey, the Chinese don't have to follow the rules, but you do, which I actually think is what's going to happen, which is galling. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, I feel like this is just such a an amazing trap of China's of Apple's own making. And I, I just, my God, it's going to be such a mess. So we will see what happens with that. Stay tuned. By the time I talk to you guys again, this should have started having some fallout, but it's insanity. I just, it's mind boggling to me. (laughs) I I mean, yeah, I'm proud of Apple for taking a stand for privacy, but how did they not see this coming with their second largest market being a communist dictatorship? Just saying, maybe, maybe you could have seen that coming. Anyway, other than that, work's going well. We've had some really good revenue, record revenue days on Nimbus, which is really awesome. Signed a bunch of good new clients, more coming. But this means that I have been overloaded. Not just me, I realize. We were on a sales call. Me, the head of sales, and the head of demand are all just inundated with contracts constantly. We really need an in-house counsel. And that's the thing I would have done by now if it weren't for this Apple sort of Damocles. I love that phrase. I use it a lot in, re- <laughs> in relation to this topic. Anyway, I, we really need an in-house counsel. If you happen to be a lawyer out there that listens to this and are interested in a new job with us, drop a line. Just saying. Should be fun. A lot of interesting stuff. We're very privacy forward. I think I've talked about this a lot. Uh, I believe in the industry that we're in we are probably the most uh, privacy respecting consumer respecting publisher respecting company out there so you know give it a shot drop a line if that is of interest to you and you think you might be qualified or tell a friend who's a lawyer at some awful ad tech company or facebook or something come work for us it's lovely 
Uh, what else is going on? Projects, projects. Uh, gardening, of course. I talked about that in the new YouTube videos for gardening. Those are really satisfying. Uh, man, I, oh, the sun just came out. Oh, my God. As we're talking, it's getting brighter and brighter outside. That's fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to go build compost pin bins this weekend. That's going to rule. Uh, yeah, that's all going well. I did all my up potting on my seedlings. Uh, not all of it, that's a lie, but a bunch of it, about 20 tomatoes, six watermelons. I thinned the seeds. Uh, they're looking good. They're looking good. I had a few setbacks, uh, dried out tomatoes, some dried out cabbage, some dried out broccoli, some dried out fennel, some over mossy onions. But I think I'm in a pretty good place now. I think they're, they're, things are looking pretty good. So I had to replant some stuff. Uh, yeah, but stuff's looking good now. And then on the studio reorg front, I've had a long talk with my wife and I've been really thinking about it. And I think I'm not going to splurge on the expensive shelves. I think the solution is not to put a big Vitso like shelf on that wall there. I think the solution is to put a long counter underneath the beautiful 20 foot wide spiritualized ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space billboard I have uh, so that I can get my record crates all back to counter height. That was my goal. That was my dream my whole life. And when I first moved into this place, that was the case. And then I got really annoyed because they were taking up so much counter space. But I think with this layout, what I can do is I can just put them along that back wall and I can maintain the counter space I have. And because now two thirds of the record crates are in cubby shelves lower down and they're really heavy and I got a bad back and it's causing me to only listen to records that start with letters A to G. <laughs> H? H, yeah. Yeah, because the hold steady's on the on the top shelf. So I need to really get those out. And so that means I need to put a, a counter along that wall, back wall. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that makes the space weird, but I don't use that like space anyway and I think it'd be better. So that's what I'm going to do. I don't know what kind of counter though because I'm out of this Cubitech shelving. And I got that's as far as I've gotten so far. What I've identified is that the problem is not that I need a wall size shelf over there. The problem is that I need a counter for the records. And then I have that Cubitech, but it's being used for this nice little central work area that I would need something else for. So that's kind of where I'm at. I might build something there. I don't know. I don't know. But I have re-identified the problem and I'm making progress. <laughs> this is going to take a year at least. <laughs> Yeah, and then other than that, on the writing, the only writing I've been doing, so I set up a Substack this week. Substack is an email list platform. It is a morally problematic company. I've written about this extensively in these said emails. Uh, but it's the lesser of two evils, and I really wanted to get my Facebook posts off of Facebook to give people not on Facebook an option to read them and also not be so beholden to Facebook. And whilst I do consider Substack to be a morally reprehensible company, I consider them to be a far less morally reprehensible company than Facebook. And more to the point, it's sort of like you're like a sin eater in a way with Substack, right? Like I'm sinning by using Substack, this product from this company that I have a lot of you know, problems with, but you, the consumer are not like with Facebook. We both have to be sinning. And a lot of my friends don't want to be on Facebook. And several of them have told me the only reason they're still on there is to read my posts. And that really made me feel like a lot of guilt. So I was like, okay, well I have to get these people a path to getting off of there. And, you know, if some people want to keep reading it on Facebook, okay, fine, that's their choice, but I'm not making them. And if you don't want to be on Facebook, you know, I might be being a sinner by using Substack, but you're not. You're just getting another email in your inbox. So that is like, you know, I'm taking that on personally and I'm not foisting it on other people. That's kind of a weird esoteric argument, I realize. Um, and I'm not going into the specific reasons why Substack is problematic. If you're curious about that, you can Google it. There's lots out there. I've written about it in the emails. But anyway, if you do want to sign over the emails, it's at rickweb.substack.com. And they're every day. They're a lot. <laughs> they're mostly about nothing. They're, they're like this podcast in written form. So, you know, you probably don't need both. I go to significant effort to not talk about the same stuff. There's a little bit of overlap, obviously, in, in thematic things like my mom and Jane. Uh, but I try not to talk about the exact same stuff on both of them. So, you know, but I'm really finding it very satisfying. So the interesting thing for me, hold on a second, I gotta adjust my mic. Okay, there we go. The interesting thing for me is that it's weird because like, theoretically, I'm just writing this post exactly like I always did, but Substack's got like a rich text editor and it allows videos and embeds and footnotes even. And this has actually made the whole thing so much more rewarding for me, right? Because... 
I can put links to videos in there. I can put links to this podcast in there. I can put photos in there. The photos just make it so much more rewarding. I can bold text. I can italicize. Um, and that stuff, you know, I think it makes it easier for people to read it and more pleasant to see these photos of what you're talking about. Like I wrote this whole thing today about or Jane making a great pun about Sadi, the little hook on the bottom of a C. Uh, but, you know, it really needed a visual sort of anchor so for the pun to make sense. And I could just throw the photo in there. And it really it's just, you know, a lot of the Facebook readers now are like, I'm reading these in email form, but I'm coming here to comment. So first off, gateway drug off of Facebook. That's great. But secondly, like, I think that is evidence that it's just a more rewarding thing to read it with the imagery and the formatting and all that. So that's been nice. Uh, I've actually found it like it sort of restored my creativity. I was definitely getting a little bored with those posts. Not bored, but I was like thinking about stopping um, because I don't like Facebook and the pandemic is slowly wrapping up. And I was like, well, originally I kind of had this vision that this would be a pandemic book and I've, you know, meticulously copied every post into Scrivener to make a pandemic book. And that's going to happen, but I don't know what day to cut it off. I don't know what day the pandemic ends, you know, <laughs> maybe like the two weeks after I get my second shot or something. That's just very me focused. I don't know. Uh, speaking of which, it was completely brilliant the way Joe Biden gave that speech and anchored all of this to July 4th and how we could have July 4th with our friends and family. I thought that was just genius. A specific date, making it an Independence Day. Oh my God, it's so smart. That guy's a political mastermind and he does not get enough, near enough credit for it. Uh, so I actually am thinking that actually might be the day for me than the, the book. But now that the posts are off Facebook, I think the posts are going to continue forever. Uh, they will, you know, not be, they'll, they'll change and mutate over time on what they talk about and things like that. But the, the, the pandemic will be, you know, over at some point and the posts will continue, which is really nice. Uh, in other writing news, I got my royalty check from Medium. It was a dollar fifteen. <laughs> actually, that's actually brings up a good point. The whole one of the things about Substack is you can charge for your emails. So a lot of like journalists do this, and you pay them seven dollars a month, and you get insider news and stuff like that. And a lot of the moral stuff with Substack is like they're paying some dodgy writers. Um, but I'm not going to make any money off of Substack. I'm not going to charge for these emails, right? So. I feel like I'm just a siphon off of their profitability. So that's one of the reasons I'm kind of morally okay with doing it, but I'm not going to make any money off of that writing. So I guess the dollar 15 I make off of medium is better than the money I make off of Substack, right? Uh, and I got my book royalties for Trek and man up, uh, this month. I get them every month. They're Amazon. It's awesome. 200 bucks. Not bad. The vast majority of that is Trek. That book sells well. I mean, that, you know, that works out to like a hundred copies a month, but that's like a thousand copies a year, every year. That's pretty cool. Uh, agency sells better than that, but I very intermittently get the royalties. I did get a royalty check early this year. It's a couple grand. That was nice. Uh, I will never make it as a writer for a living, which is a real shame because it's definitely one of my favorite things to do, but I don't think I really mind. It's cool when you get paid. I like that a lot. And I don't mind my job too much, so that works out. But, yeah, um, the Japanese guy got back in touch with me about the truck book. I owe him some stuff. I, a little despondent. I I gave him all these font samples, and they all turned out to be Chinese fonts. It's just embarrassing. They're all named Japanese stuff. I don't know what happened. And so I got to pick that project back up this week. But it, And he had disappeared for, like, a few months, and now I've disappeared on him. We're, we're slowly getting there. It's going to happen one day. <laughs> my first translation. It's a lot of work, man. I can see why writers let other people deal with this shit it's jesus it's tedious uh anyway media report uh i did pretty well with this week um added some stuff up to plex i added a better copy of the wesley willis documentary wesley willis i can't remember if i, I must have mentioned this uh sort of a like an outsider art rock and roll singer from chicago punk rock very very renowned and then i put up a copy of trouble every day the claire denis vampire film soundtracked by the tinder sticks uh brutal and harrowing but pretty good uh yeah i think that's it that you guys didn't have the last time let's check the last time notes here suburbia lady james i mean yep that's it so that's it trouble every day and the wesley willis docs are up on plex 
Discogs. I had the store turned off when I talked to you guys last time. I turned it off when I went to the quarantine for the week in the hotel. I turned it back on. Sold a ton of stuff. Sold a Jesus Mary Chain CD, Psycho Candy, Dual Layer Disc. Uh, that was great. I shipped it off. And then about a week later, the guy was like, okay, that was a great, it was a great order. I'm going to order the rest of them from you. And he ordered Automatic Darklands and Stone to Dethroned from me, the dual layer discs. Uh, yeah, sad to see those go. I actually don't think I own all the Jesus Mary Chain albums on vinyl. I own all the 12 inch singles all the way back. <laughs> um, and I own the later albums. But I don't think I own the earlier albums on vinyl. Oh, shit. This is alarming. Let me look. All right. Looks like I do own Psycho Candy on vinyl. That's good. I do not own Darklands on vinyl. That is that is a problem. I'm going to have to fix that. Uh, I do hybrid disc LP. Yep. I own Automatic on vinyl. I don't own Honey's Dead on vinyl. I got to get that. And I do own Stone and Dethroned on vinyl. Well, that's good. All right, so I got to get Honey's Dead and Darklands on vinyl. Darklands will be cheap. That thing was printed a bajillion times. But uh, all right, good to know. Good to know. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was cool. Sold those. Uh, I did not re-rip the DVD stuff on the other side because I'm fairly confident I have it in my Plex already, and I just couldn't bear it. I was like, oh, it's too much work. So I skipped it. I sold the Fleetwood Mac album, self-titled album on CD. I sold the BG's first album, BG's first. That was really frustrating. Actually, just this morning, the guy was like, I want to refund the <laughs> the laser print on the East. It's called the Matrix Runout. The, the the laser print holographic text on the inner clear circle of a CD. This one said United States and he wanted Argentina. And I, apparently I misfiled this, but it's not really my fault because on very popular albums and rare editions, Discogs goes to great lengths to distinguishing Matrix runout versions, but they don't always do it. And on this one, they didn't. And I just, I just added it to the appropriate format and catalog number and country and year. But the guy's like, full refund. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't care. This is a hobby. And then he's like, mail me a label, mailing label. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. All right, fine. So I got to do that today. I'm a little annoyed with that. I don't really know what Discogs could do about it because you can't tell like 90% of the, you know, there's a cheap CD, right? It's like four bucks. 90% of the people that buy cheap CDs just want a CD copy. They're like lay people that are looking for a cheap copy and they're still into CDs and they're living a good life because you can buy CDs for virtually nothing on Discogs and they just buy them. And then there is this other subset that are just like meticulously buying every variant of a record of a band they're obsessed with. And they care about it. And it's usually obvious because those bands and labels and, and releases have hundreds of different versions of the release. And you can tell, right? But this one wasn't like that. So I, you know, like maybe it's my fault, but I, I, I'm pleading ignorance. Uh, and then I sold the Nine Inch Nails Quake soundtrack. This was a whole thing. I ordered it when it came out in January and they sent me the wrong, they sent me the social network soundtrack. And I told them they sent me the wrong one. They're like, send a photo. And I sent a photo and they're like, okay, send it back and then we'll send you one. And I never sent it back. I just ordered it again because I was like, you know what? I really don't like that movie, but I like the soundtrack. So I'm going to keep this, this uh, social, whatever you call it, <laughs> Facebook movie soundtrack. And uh, I just kept it and I just let the whole thing go. And I bought another copy of the Quake soundtrack on their site because I was like, well, I still want the Quake soundtrack, but I'm going to keep this social network soundtrack. And then that showed up and I just kind of forgot about the whole thing. And then months later, I think I got this weird email actually like in November and it was like, Hey, sorry about the delay of the quake soundtrack sold out on vinyl. We're getting more in March or February or March. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I already got it. And then another copy showed up. So like, in fact, they made me do all that stuff of sending the photo and all that, but I didn't send the record back and they, they sent me the correct record anyway. So now I feel bad, but I did buy it, and, but I had two copies. So I sold it on Discogs. That's great. I don't usually sell vinyl, but I sold it new sealed copy. Got like 40 bucks for it. Feel pretty good about that. Sold two Wolfgang Press CDs. A Girl Like You and Mama Told Me Not to Come. I love the Wolfgang Press, especially, well, right up to that period. I saw that tour. <laughs> they opened for the Charlatans UK at Avalon in Boston, and it was so good. Oh my God, they were so good. The Wolfgang Press are just such a great band. It's the only time I ever saw them. I wish I saw them earlier. A bunch of my friends were in New England longer than I saw them on the previous tours, but that was the only time they came after 1990 when I was there. And uh, it was great. And their bass player is the bass player from the Ruddles, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> we met them after the show. It was, it was a good time. Uh, yeah, so I sold both of those singles. Very good. You know, they're great. 
Uh, anyway, sold a Goo Goo Doll CD. That was my mother-in-law's Dizzy Up the Girl. Sold that for a couple bucks. Sold a Skinny Puppy CD, mine, The Perpetual Intercourse, that I've owned since high school. Uh, sad to see that go, but I do own the vinyl. And then I really regret this, but I sold my first edition Tron Legacy soundtrack by Daft Punk CD that I bought from the band. And I'm super bummed because I thought I owned it on vinyl and I don't. And the vinyl goes for like $200 now and I don't know what to do. I got a ton of money for the CD, but I just wish I hadn't sold it. That was a bummer. But yeah, a pretty good haul. I mean, I made a couple hundred bucks. I mean, like 120, 130 bucks this week, last two weeks on Discogs. Not bad. Uh, vinyl, I got another Seacat Trance album. I've talked about them a lot. I've got this whole new thing. I think I mentioned this last week where I sort the new things for sale on Discogs by my want list and lowest price every day. And they came out this day and somebody put a copy of that for sale for six bucks. And I was like, yep, I want that. And I just bought it. Just came today or yesterday. Just listened to it this morning. Very good. I bought the Top Gun soundtrack on red vinyl at Walmart. Walmart's vinyl section is pretty solid. <laughs> Yeah, I feel good about that. I wrote an extensive homage to the Top Gun soundtrack in my email. That's the sort of thing you're missing out on. Uh, new Tinder Sticks, excuse me, new Tinder Sticks album called Distractions. Got that on blue vinyl, shipped over from the UK. It's a, uh, I'm great. It's great, great album. Love the droney long single. Love the sparse, moody, ambient stuff on the B side. Very, very into it. And the arms of someone new who I know I've been talking about a lot for a obscure 90s new wave goth band. But I finally, finally found a good copy of the vinyl after three tries on Discogs. The album Promise, it just came this week. And I love that album so much. I tried three times to order it on Discogs before I finally got a copy shipped. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm very excited. That is now in my collection after all this effort on CDs. Got a couple new CDs. So I got uh, this uh, Boston. What's it? Wasn't okay. So it wasn't a Boston comp. It's it's a record label comp from this record label called Bedazzled Records. It was in the '90s. They're sort of. I think they were a major label posing it indie as indie. I don't remember what major label. Maybe Warner. Maybe they were actual indie. Don't quote me on that. You know what? Actually, I, I think they were a real indie, and I'll tell you why. My friend's band, Missile Thrush, got signed to Bedazzled Records, uh, and they put out their records. And a lot of bands I liked and knew got signed to Bedazzled, and they put out this compilation, and it's called Kindred Spirits. And I had it before, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. I knew about it. I thought I had it, but I didn't. Maybe I sold it. I didn't have it ripped, so I bought it again. Because it's the only place you can get anything on CD by some of these bands I really love from Boston, like especially 12-Tone Failure which was Valerie from Missile Thrush's other band. Uh, and all these other goth bands I like, Viola Peacock, uh, Big Hat. It's just a great comp. I was really, really satisfied with it. Actually, it's right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check what else is on it. Yeah, Curtain Society, which is a Boston sort of shoegaze goth band that we played with like four or five times. They were just great. Uh, and they became, most of that band became Mark Burgess from the Chameleons backing band when he started Chameleons Vox Up. And we saw them in Boston, this weird club called Hennessy's downtown. Mark Burgess backed by the Curtain Society, and it was so good. Oh, my God. I saw Mark Burgess doing Chameleons Vox like five times. But that one time, it was just, it was amazing. It was the first one. It was sort of when he realized that he could viably pull this off with Curtain Society. Ultimately, other people did Chameleons Vox with Mark Burgess, including Todd Demma, the drummer for Missile Thrush. But uh, yeah, they're on this Ultra Cherry Violet, Missile Thrush, Big Hat, 12-Tone Failure, Viola Peacock, Opium Den, another Boston goth band I just loved, would see all the time. Uh, Mike Demma, Todd Demma's brother was an Opium Den, great band. This Ascension, I mean, it's just Purple Ivy Shadows. This, this comp is amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like exactly captures this period of sort of shoegaze meets goth in the early 90s. Uh, heavily concentrated but not exclusively limited to Boston and this Bedazzled Records label which was a DC based label they they really they nailed it but the thing is they aren't really on Spotify and there's this other label this goth label Pure Goth a little bit earlier like 1990 called Salem Mort Records great name and they used to put out these compilations called Dr. Death and then they had amazing goth bands on them handful of snowdrops beautiful pea green boat just some bands i really loved and i own a lot of records by them and that label as well none of the albums are on spotify and it's very mysterious because these labels are so small and independent i would have thought that the bands who have other other music on spotify would have reclaimed their ownership rights to these albums by now and put them re-release them themselves and i don't know what's going on and it's very frustrating actually as i'm saying all this it's occurring to me that i'm personal friends with like four people on this comp, I should probably ask them. 
That would be interesting. I will do that and report back. But anyway, I'm very happy to get this comp. I have a lot of the albums by these bands, but they don't. These are a lot of these songs are exclusive to this comp as well. So very, very excited. This is probably the most anybody has talked about the Kindred Spirits comp off of Bedazzled Records from 1993 or four in probably a decade. <laughs> but man, I, I'm very excited about this. I'm actually looking, opening up the book here to check the year because I know you guys care so much. It does not have a year on it. Hmm. Anyway, that was a great purchase. Very happy about that. Uh, and then my friend Mike Anderson, Drekka, I bought this great cassette box, a new release on cassette from him. Uh, it is right here. I haven't actually listened to it or ripped it, ripped it yet. It's called Prairie Spells, A Ribbon Wove. And it is a double cassette box set that he did with some friends. And he sent me, you know, I mean, this, he used to be my roommate. We've been old friends. We were in bands together. He was in the first iteration of Rockets versus Street Lamps called Transportation and Pig Monkey. He sent me like four of his CDs, recent ones that I didn't already have. Sleep Patterns of the Discontent, There Is No Silence Left, and Beings of the Imberindus, three CDs. And they're all great. They're, you know, he does like the experimental noise thing, uh, more atmospheric and, and moody than outright like Masana Mersbau noise. He runs his own label called Blue Sank Music out of Bloomington, Indiana. He, is, he has a pretty major release on Deus Records, which I talk about all the time, our friend Gibby's label. I met Gibby through Mike in 1990 six or something uh anyway so you know if you're looking for Drekka, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can you can get easily but yeah that was great got those in the mail uh and then i listened to a fair number of albums this week not the this won't be the giant slog of some weeks when i've listened to like 40 but you know i kept up the wedding present has a new release called lockdown strip back it's just a sort of acoustic mellow versions of a lot of their old songs it's fantastic i really enjoyed it uh dawes has a new record called good luck with whatever that i really liked i you know when dawes first came out my friend aubrey was obsessed with them and i saw them at south by like on their first tour and i was like nah this band's okay but man they have really grown on me through the years really it started with uh may, oh, whatever the one with, with may all your bands stay together may all your favorite bands stay together and they've put out like three since then, and they're all great. This one's great. Good luck with whatever. I really liked it. Uh, my friend Jake Zivraki and my friend Paul Natali. I haven't seen these guys in, in real life in a decade, but I still consider them friends. They had a band back in Boston in the 90s called Quick Fix, and they re-released their 1999 album that they never released. They had recorded it and hoped it was going to lead to a record deal, and they didn't ever put it out. They put it up on Bandcamp. It's called Quick Fix 99, and oh my God, it's so good. I forgot how good that band was. <laughs> it's just fucking fantastic, man. Like David Bowie meets like, I don't even know. It's like glam rock meets like psych rock meets like prog. It's so good. It's so good. They were such a good band. I can't believe they didn't be, get bigger. And I re-listened to Animal Logic, their other, Animal Love, Animal Logic, what Animal Love. Their other album, I re-listened to that for good measure. Underground Lovers, shoegaze band from Australia I've been into since the 1990s when they signed to Guernica Records, the 4AD offshoot in 1992. They keep putting out albums. They are sort of the stalwart shoegaze band of Australia. And they just put out two albums on Bandcamp. One was a remix album and one was a B-Sides album. And I listened to them both and they were great, especially like Shadows, the remix album. I had about half those remixes already because I've meticulously collected Underground Lovers singles for 20 years. 28 years, almost 30 years. Jesus. <laughs> It'll be 30 years next year. Oh, that's disturbing. But yeah, those are really great. Good starting point. Uh, Underground Lovers is on Spotify, so you could check them out there too as well. Uh, the new Tinder Sticks, Tinder Sticks, of course. That was a great record. Uh, and then my friend Bill Pierogi up in Boston. Uh, a perfect example of why I'm happy about moving the Facebook post to Substack. He's not a Facebook user. He's been commenting on the, fa on the email list posts, and he's been recommending a bunch of new music. He recommended this goth label out of San Francisco, and I listened to four album, four bands, five bands on this label, and they're all so good. He was so right. It's such a great label. Uh, Alex Mass, Luca. Alex Mass is one of the guys in the Black Angels, and the album Luca is it's really mellow. It's moody. It was spooky. I really liked it a lot. Black Wing is another band on the label. I listened to the album No Moon. Actually really reminded me of the arms of someone new, sort of mellow, synthy, new wave goth, and I really loved it. You know, not a lot of people making music like that in the, in the, in the 2020s. Uh, Amulet, Severed Seas, that was very atmospheric, a little noisy goth, really into it. Kind of reminded me of uh, In Gowan Ring, I would say. <laughs> it's going to make sense to like two people. 
<laughs> but that was really good. Planning for burial, that was really good. Below the house, solid goth, a little bit more rocking, very good. And then history has a self-titled history as punkier. This label was so good. Uh, it has like punky goth, noise goth, uh, Marmalique was another one. Come and see, that's even more punky. All very good. So I recommend all these, 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 if you're into the goth, modern gothing, Blackwing Amulets, Planning for Burial and History and Marmalique, all so good. Strong recommend. Uh, I listen to most of them on their Bandcamp, but they're also mostly on Spotify. Uh, then I listen to the new group Love. This is this recommended me by my friend Nikki. Uh, sounds actually, you know, I always thought group Love was like a. I mean, I was basically, <laughs> basically conflating Tribe Call Quest and Quest Love, and decided the Group Love sounded like them together. But it's nothing like that. If I had to compare the Group Love to anything, I'd say L Seven. It's like rock and roll, female led, kind of grungy. It was awesome. Very into it. Uh, and then Cowbells, K A L B E L L S, Diaphragm of Me Sleeping. It's got mellow, poppy, lady things. They're one or two great tracks. It's short. It's like five songs, but uh, there are two that were really, really good. And then the rest, I was kind of like, eh, it's a little samey. And then Sada Bonaire, S A A D A, with a circumflex over the second A, Bonaire. Uh, Self-titled album. It's kind of dancey, a little bit world music, a little clubby, a little bit dubby, a little bit sort of Afrobeat. I liked it a lot. And that's it. That's all the music I listened to this week. So yeah, kept it short. I am very busy. <laughs> I've had a lot of meetings and a lot of appointments. Uh, let's see. We finished Umbrella Academy and it was good. Second season was better. Somewhere in this, everybody said the second season was better. And at first I was like, this is not better. People were wrong. But I think what happened is somewhere around the fourth episode of the second season, the showrunners decided that the emotional problems and bad decisions that the main characters make need to be played more for laughs because like it, otherwise it wasn't working and it wasn't. And once they did that, it was actually hilarious and a lot more fun. When, if you view that show as a comedy, it works a lot better. So I will watch a third season. Uh, finished WandaVision. Was that in this period? I guess it was. Did I talk about this last time? Oh my God. Time is blurring. Anyway, I liked it a lot. I thought the finale was a little anticlimactic, uh, you know, but that's okay. I enjoyed it. It was well done. And that's it. We haven't really been watching a lot of TV. We kind of turned our, our attention to movies. We watch a lot of MSNBC, keeping up on news. I'm going to not talk about politics with you guys today. Uh, but So we watch a lot of movies instead. We watched I Care A Lot, which was intense and it turned out to be very good. Uh, it has Rosamund Pike and Peter Drinklage in it, and I, I squirmed a lot. And at one point, I got so upset with the movie, I started yelling at the screen, yelling "Fuck you, fuck you!" And I wasn't gonna finish it. And Emma made me sit down and finish it. And I'm glad I did because it was a very good movie, and the ending was very clever. But man, it was emotionally draining for me. I, it's very, very hard for me to watch narrative fiction with people doing bad things at the moment. I can't handle it. Uh, yeah, it was rough, but it was a very good movie. Uh, then we watched the Depeche Mode Spirits of the Forest documentary, which was fantastic. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. I want stories, not plot. That's my new thing. Stories, not plot. Plot is contrived. Stories are real. Uh, and this Depeche Mode documentary is basically, it's a concert documentary, but it's really about the fans and they follow six fans that are going to this last show on the tour in Berlin. One's coming from Colombia, one's coming from Mongolia, from Ulaanbaatar, one's coming from L.A., one's coming from, I think, France, or one's coming from Eastern Europe. It's very good. It's very moving in these fans' lives and their, the culture of the fans, but also, like, the things they've been through. And, uh, you know, it's directed by Anton Corbin, so, of course, the whole thing's in capable hands. And I just found the whole thing very moving. It, it's... Yes, it's a documentary about Depeche Mode, but I really recommend it. Even if you didn't like the band, I think it's it's a very interesting piece. And it's short, too. It's just under 90 minutes. And then we, you know, we're starting to watch the stuff that's gotten nominated that we're really behind on that stuff. So we watched Nomadland and Minari, both of which we loved. <laughs> I think they're perfect examples of what I mean of story over plot. Both of them arguably have no plot, but they have stories. They're both beautiful. They're both moving. There's, like, moments in each one of them where, like, you're emotionally overwhelmed, even though nothing really has happened, especially in Nomadland. There's like the emotional climax of that film is like a guy drops something. And you're just like, oh, you feel it so much. Oh. Uh, I don't even think that's spoilers because it's inconceivable. How you could, you know, but yeah, they're both great. Everybody, everybody was right on those. 
Uh, I think we're going to stick to movies for a little while. Uh, I'm going to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier tonight, but also this weekend I'm going to, against my better judgment, tackle the four-hour Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Not so much because I think it'll be good, but because I want to understand and see and sort of fully experience this cultural phenomenon for good and for bad. Uh, but yeah, we'll give Falcon and the Winter Soldier a try too. But I think other than that, we're sticking to movies for a while. There's a few more we want to see. And... Um, it's working better with my emotional psyche right now to watch movies other than films. And then, you know, other than that, for me, it's just been a lot of YouTube. Been watching a lot of game mechanics, Civ stuff. He's doing this challenge where he's trying to build every wonder in the game, and I find that very rewarding. Potato McWhiskey has been doing some really interesting challenges around religion in the in the Congo lately that I've been really enjoying. Been watching a lot of uh, sort of educational videos on Rizo printing, which I didn't really know about until I learned about it from my uh, from Robin Chan's newsletter. Uh, my acquaintance, I was gonna say my friend, but we've never met, but we talk. Um, yeah, so I've been really fascinated in Rizo printing lately. It's really frustrating that I found this great channel, this woman in Canada that was doing all these Rizo educational videos, and I was like, followed it, and then I realized she hasn't actually put out a, a new video in like two or three years. It's always sad when that happens. You find someone great, and then you're like, okay, I have to remember to watch their old videos versus just what I usually do is watch the new videos that come out each day. So I've been working through her stuff, as well as Precious Plastic, the people that make all the plastic recycling stuff, and these two brothers that do a lot of interesting recycling stuff. Still really on the recycling kick. Uh, I gave up on the Alan Garganis book, Uncollected Stories. It's very good, but it was emotionally killing me. <laughs> there was this one about a dog that almost died, and I just lost my shit for like three days from it. So I had to stop on that. And then my friend Alice Marowick recommended a sci-fi series written by this woman, Becky Chambers. She said, it's great. You'll like it. It's like a nice space opera, and it's like diverse, and it's good politics, and you'll, you'll like it, and it's properly escapist. And she was right. So I'm reading the first one of those called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, and I've felt so much better since I switched books. So, so I'm probably just going to read that entire series. And uh, But so far, I'm only about halfway through the first one, but it is a strong recommend. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys are doing all right. It means a lot that you listen. Drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. Let's have some chats. And uh, I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Hopefully by then, spring will have sprung. More of you will have got the vaccines and life will have improved a bit. Take care. Talk soon.